This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Um, with the schedule now a little bit more right, uh, you know, sadly, obviously, Pete's uh, nights are a little bit more freer, um, so we were able to you know, get the pregame show done a little earlier. Uh, we're almost to December here, so you know, obviously draft, you know, Browns wise, look, we want to cover games. We want to cover games well into January, but uh, the draft isn't going anywhere. It's stuff, you know, it's got to be done. Pete's been able to get himself a little bit more entrenched in here now, start doing a little bit deeper work. Uh, I've been eyeing it from afar, but yeah, this is usually about the time you start to ramp it up a little bit. So we're going to get some draft coverage here tonight. A little something to tide you guys over till you get a post game tomorrow after a huge, hopefully, huge Browns win. Uh, Jeff Floyd from SI.com's Brown Maven, Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Brown-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pounds. Pete, Ohio State obviously caught a break. Um, you get Chase Young back after a two-week suspension. Um, I mean, in, where Ohio State caught the break is that Chase Young and the people closest to him said, it ain't worth it, man. It ain't worth it. Um, whatever. He chose to. Uh, dominated, and we'll start here. Pete, I, I mean, I don't know, you know, I, and this is very similar to the Browns' 2017 decision. Um, this kid is, you know, as, as long as the testing chest checks out and, you know, as we've worked together, Pete and I, you know, we've, we've kind of developed a common ground where we like to see everything reached. Um, with the way he's playing, you got to think, you know, there's not going to be anything too alarming in the athletic testing numbers. There could be. There could be. But Pete, this guy is no doubt the top dog of this class. This guy is freaking ridiculous, bro. Uh, he's good, and and he's his, his what he stands out with him is how good he is at staying unblocked. Um, like against Penn State today, uh, two of his his big rushes were just slapping the right tackle's hands out of his way, and he made it look easy. Um, obviously, he's very fast off the ball. He's got uh, pretty good strength. Uh, and he's able to sort of work work his way around and through. It also helps that he's got a really talented group with him that uh, they can't sort of just set on him, or at least Penn State sure as hell didn't. Uh, and, you know, it, he is impacting the game even when he isn't, but he's also creating opportunities for teammates, and they're creating opportunities for him. So that front is very dangerous to the point where <laughs> – one of the one of the sacks they were claiming he had wasn't his, but he was so uh, damn good that they were the broadcasting was giving him credit for it. So uh, he had you know a game not unlike Miles Garrett has had several times this year for the Browns, where he just he he takes a, a possession or a spot in the game and just destroys it uh, and, and gets the ball back for you or whatever. So for like twenty one fourteen. Uh, Penn State's got the ball on Ohio State's side of the field. They they just got uh, the third of four fumbles off Justin Fields, and he basically, you know, almost single-handedly kills the possession and forces them to kick a field goal, which is similar to like Miles Garrett against the Seahawks when they were down uh, near the red zone, and he not he he dismantled the drive and and forced them. Uh, basically back far enough where it made it a, a questionable field goal. Uh, that's what you want. Like that's the type of player you're hoping you get is, is miles Garrett and chase young certainly looks like he's to that 
uh, caliber, at least in, in production and everything in the film. So as long as he can't, you know, he basically doesn't trip over his own feet in testing, he should be okay on that front. And, and one of the things that actually made me laugh today, though, is, you know, in, you know, you know look, it's, it's not like Penn State or any other team in, in the Big Ten. It's not like they're, you know, not lacking for talent. But, you know, usually, you know, your best tackles, your left tackle. Um, you got Chase Young lining up over your right tackle. Yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll let this go one on one. See how it plays out. And it, it, I mean, you basically, you know, if you're going to play Ohio State right now and you're going to run your offense on the field, there's literally one thing you're going to spend the entire week of doing. How do we not let Chase Young ruin our afternoon? Penn State, ah, one on one. Pete, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Well, you combine that with the fact that they didn't get the quarterback didn't do much to get the ball out, um, especially when they got stuck with the backup. You would hold on to the ball forever and sort of exacerbate the problem. If you were going to just basically get, you know, set step, you know, catch step throw type stuff or or run it or whatever, you could at least say, okay, we're going to do this. But they didn't, and it just made the fact that they were putting uh, that right tackle oftentimes on an island just made everything look that much worse. I mean, I don't know if they were maybe figuring somehow, some way he was going to come back a little rusty, um, something of that nature, but no, nah, nothing whatsoever. Cause it's not like he, you know, it's not like he wasn't a hundred percent when he sat for two weeks, came back full out healthy. Uh, all the Ohio state listeners, congratulations. Um, you know, should look to be a 12 and all regular season. Uh, I think you can do as much damage as anybody in the playoffs. So good luck, everybody. Uh, congratulations to this point. And obviously senior day in Columbus, all that good stuff. Fantastic effort today. Um, and do me a favor, keep wearing the red. I don't like the the all black. Pete, I just don't like the all black Ohio State uniforms. Not a fan. No, I think I think that stuff's getting very played out. Um, I, I think some of the alternate uniforms, just so many teams are doing it, it's sort of lost all meaning. And I get it. Players love it. I mean, it's recruiting. And, and, and as long as it works for that, they're going to keep doing it. But obviously, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go get off my lawn and, and say stick with the the traditional uniforms. But, you know, that, that's what it's not about me. It's about how do you get more kids in the door? Of course. You know, and for me, it's like, you know, I don't know. It's it's it, it, it that's Oregon's thing. Just let Oregon be Oregon. Um, you know, you know, slip in something classic every now and then, whatever. Um, something retro to honor a team, something like that. But um, I don't know, you know, seeing those games where it's, you know, and for me now I'm getting older and half the time it's, you know, I'm lucky if I'm getting a game on in the situation on a seat with even volume. So you end up skipping on through, just stick with the traditional, let Oregon just go on and just be Oregon and do whatever it is they do out there. Um, While we were here in this, you know, before we go to your know, first break here, uh, JK Dobbins beat it's, I, I don't I don't know where this is a guy that's really tough because I think he's starting to grow on me more and more. Um, you know, maybe it's, you know, obviously, you know, with being a little bit older player in a program, but here's a guy he could, you know, he's going to go somewhere in the middle uh, of the draft, but it just seems, you know, he's picking, uh, use this term, picking up speed at the right time. Who? The running back, he just seems to be, you know, it's, it's very Carlos Hyde-ish towards the end of Carlos's days in Columbus. And now with him, it just seems like the momentum is really, really going for him at the right time. Well, I mean, J.K. Dobbins is, is good. He's been good. Um, and, you know, he's one of those where 
he may sort of lull you to sleep uh, because he's just been around for a while and they've had so many guys in there. But uh, I don't think it's a case where, you know, he's, you know, one of the best backs in this class. Uh, I think there are better players, but he's just been a very, very solid back for a long time uh, and, and put up some substantial numbers. He's actually gotten, you know, his freshman season was his best so far. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those things where being around can sometimes hurt you, but he's still just a junior, uh, good size. He's been very productive. I don't, I don't, relative to, you know, market share, I don't know if he's going to do great, uh, just because Ohio State does so much with their passing game. But, uh, and also most of the time his day could be done by mid third quarter. Yeah, doesn't help. But, uh, this year, I think it, part of the reason he's sort of like, you know, coming on as a surprise is because Ohio State is so, uh, I don't want to say limited, but they're they're more focused in terms of running the ball. I mean, Justin Fields is obviously a big part of that, but they aren't like, you know, when they have to face somebody who's, who's pretty good, it's not just ping, 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 ping down the field. It's a lot more uh, efforting in terms of the passing game. They've got some guys who made some plays and, and, and they've got some, interesting receivers but when they need you know when they need to move the ball uh they're either going to go with Dobbins or go with Fields and more often than not that's Dobbins in terms of reliability and just his impact uh and obviously it helps that the Ohio State seems to have put together one of the better offensive lines they've had in recent years but I think J.K. JK Dobbins is a pretty good back who could be who could potentially be a nice little value uh that's in some cases a victim of circumstances but He's just a very good player, and, and you know, he's now, I think, second uh, in team history, you know, or I should say third uh, in team history for rushing yards in a career. He's behind uh, Zeke and uh, Archie Griffin. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to get close to either. I don't think he's going to get quite to Zeke unless he stays another year. Um, but uh, he is sort of very quietly put together a, a, a tremendous career. And, you know, look, guys, you, nobody knows how it's going to play out here yet. And, um, look, Kareem, it, it could be an eight-game run here, and you move on and you cash in on a draft pick. And let's be honest, how confident is anybody in Dontrell Hilliard going further, Dearness Johnson going further? Uh, running back could end up being a need. You're, you, know, you know, as much as we all love Nick, you're going to need somebody else there. Pete, now you brought it up today. I saw you had a tweet about it. Um, interesting player, you know, Moss from Penn state, um, looks a little light in the ass right now. Um, if you're going to play him, you know, you know, as a, you know, hand in dirt for three D end, maybe more of a three, four edge, you see great length. Uh, you see the ability to stack and shed, um, you, it, it, where you're going to put him would be a question, obviously to where he looks now. Cause you, you'd want a little bit bigger, you know, a little more mass, a little more in the ass as, uh, our buddy Dan Shanka likes to say, uh, but Interesting player, and that length usually plays well on Sundays. Well, he's listed at 264 pounds, so I don't know if it's like a Joe Schobert muscle density type situation or they, they're, they're listing him way heavier than he is. That's going to be a question. But he does have that big frame. Uh, he has been a productive pass rusher, uh, and he had a he had a big day uh, against the Buckeyes. Uh, solo tackles you know, are, need to be a little bit higher. But everything else is pretty good. We'll see if he tests. Uh, this is all assuming he declares. 
But uh, no, I mean, he had a, a, a big game and a big spot. He, I think he's the best player on Penn State's defense. Uh, he's been pretty good for a little while now. And, you know, for, for the Browns, where defensive end is now a thing that they're going to have to figure out some, some way to address, whether it's uh, signing one of the guys they've brought in this year for a little bit longer or whatever, they've really only got three defensive ends and it's really two and a half uh, for next year. So they, they need to find another guy. And presumably, if Steve Wilkes is still here, it's going to be longer guys, and it's going to be guys with a little bit a little bit uh, in terms of heft because I think he wants somebody who can hold up a little bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, they may, they may be interested in more of a, a pure speed guy if it's still got that length. But clearly – they don't want squatty guys, uh, which is where why Gennard is not here, or at least that seems to be the reason. Uh, it's it's you know there's a type. It's going to be six three. It's going to be two seventy ish. Look, Miles Garrett. It, it don't matter. You know, there's nothing. Whatever. There's no. You have no question about who Miles Garrett is. Whatever. He, he fits everywhere, and he's kind of like that. You know, the Chandler Jones type of thing that Wilkes had last year. Um, yeah, but yeah, and it's, it's maybe it's going to be a little bit more focus on, you know, being able to, it's great. You can rush the pasture. Can you play the run and you no know, length usually is, is an asset in that respect. We're going to move on here. We got some listener questions is, uh, we're going to break down a little draft here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith on lockdown Browns. Uh, want to thanks to the folks over at, uh, burnt orange, burnt orange underscore company, uh, on Twitter, uh, sent over a t-shirt. Great stuff here, guys. Look, I, I, I love promoting everybody, man. Let's all make some money where everybody's working their asses off. Let's do a little bit of trying to help out everybody else. Go ahead, check out uh, burntorange.com. Uh, great stuff. I mean, you know, they asked me, you know, pick out a shirt. We'll send it to you. Um, had to go like three three pages deep. A bunch of great stuff. Uh, appreciate you guys. Keep up the hard work. Everybody, let's you know, keep busting our butt. Hopefully we can find ourselves, a, everybody, a way to make a little bit of money here. Been able to field some questions here. Um, and you guys brought a ton here and they, I, I'm actually happy to do this because, you know, this always usually kind of comes from Saturdays. Um, you know, everybody, you know, the college football, it's, what does that lead to? At least to want to talk about the draft and that gets us where we here are now. And, you know, normally Saturdays we've had to kind of devote those to the pregame show. Um, but maybe we could do more of it here, at, you know, as we roll out, you know, as the season goes on, you know, Pete's schedules, you know, lightened up a ton here and maybe we, you know, find a way to start getting a little bit more into this. And we do have some question here. Um, it, I'm trying to see who I want to give it to the credit to here. I, I'll get to the question. A lot of it is, this is one that's starting to surface too here, Pete. Um, you know, obviously Callaway, time here is over. Rashard Higgins, it's hard not to see the writing on the wall here. And even if the Browns wanted him, the question would be, does Rashard Higgins feel wanted enough where he's going to want to stick around? Um, yeah, DJ Montgomery, that's one we haven't talked about in a while or even mentioned. There's a guy stashed away on the practice squad. They, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, on IR. They liked last year. was really good in the preseason. Uh, I don't know if that's enough to hedge any bets over. But, Pete, this is, you know, looking, and um, I forget who put it out there today. But this, I think this is going to be more of the norm, Pete. And obviously, you know this being around high school football like it is. You know, the spread and running 50 plays and running 20-something times and throwing 20-something times. The development of the wide receiver position is just insanely, you know, obviously it, it, it's because more balls are being thrown 
It was never like this before. And it's the trickle-down effect, and it's what works, and it's kind of basketball on grass type of thing. But that leads to a lot of wide receiver development, and it leads to, you know, there was what one of the Ohio State, uh, one of the playoff games, state playoff games last year, there was a kid, uh, Ohio State pledge who had four touchdown catches in the first quarter, I think, for God's sakes. But this is looking like a deep group. A lot of people compare it to the 14 class, and you look ahead one year from now, that class might even be better or can contend with this one. I don't think this is going to be a trend that goes away. And, you know, if you're going to, you know, picks wise where you're at now is great. You'd love one or two more, but you, you know, if it's a really deep class in one area where it could be wide receiver, you kind of want to dip your toes in and see if you can get something out of it. Right. Uh, the amount of teams, both in high school and college that run four or five wide. Um, there's just so many reps out there um, and more creativity in terms of the type of bodies that the teams use that, that can, play wide receiver so there's just a lot of good options uh and there's just so many opportunities for guys to get better um you know this is this class obviously has like four or five guys that people are picking as first rounders uh, i never know you know if that's really how it's going to go because you know there's always a an inclination to say well if it's that good we can just sort of hang back and let let the class come to us which is exactly what i would say for the browns um and there's going to be a ton of guys that are really good, really productive, really athletic that you can get and probably not going to go uh, as early as some of these other guys. And, uh, you know, you just sort of let them fall right to you and you take them in a good spot. And uh, if the class is as good as, as it sounds like it's going to be, combined with the fact that every class is good at wide receiver and super deep, uh, there's no rush. And you can find a guy that fits what you want without making a big investment. Uh, obviously, I love Tyler Johnson from Minnesota, who accepted his invite to the Shrine Game. I'm not sure why he's in the, at the Shrine Game, or you know, there's, this is going to be a, a guy that gets called up to the Senior Bowl at some point. But to me, he's one of the better players in the country, and you know, he's at, at a, a an event that tends to be for, uh, or at least suggests. Uh, that maybe they'll go in the end of the second round, but more likely it's going to be third, fourth, fifth, uh, and and later. That uh, if that's an indication of how good this class is, that there's no rush. Uh, you're going to be able to get really good talent basically wherever you want. It's just about finding the right guy for you. You don't need to go chasing after anything. It really becomes more about fit within your offense and uh, opportunity to get them. So like, you know, a guy like Jalen Rager, who is a really, really talented receiver with a ton of speed and is a, a, a talented punt returner, could be of interest, uh, but he might be in the second round uh, because he's so good, or if he's later than that. You know, a guy like uh, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame isn't really my cup of tea in terms of what I think fits with Baker Mayfield, but he's a big dude who catches a lot of passes and is very productive for Notre Dame this year. Uh, there's just an endless amount of these guys where – Every team has somebody. I mean, like uh, South Carolina is awful, and yet they've got a, a, a senior receiver with a bunch of size named Ty, uh, Brian Robinson. I haven't really had a chance to uh, look Edwards. at, but he's got all Brian Edwards. But he's got all the markings of a really uh, productive receiver. And if he tests well, and you want a guy who's who's big and has those those qualities, that's great. Personally, I'm 
as always, looking for guys that are more in the yards after catch range uh, with Baker Mayfield, and I'm hoping that's where the, the offense gets. Uh, but we'll we'll see what that looks like when this class is sort of finally put together. Uh, I'm with you on Tyler Johnson, and I think the thing that I like about Tyler, Tyler Johnson is, and maybe it's because we like Rashard, it, it seems like there's a lot of attention to detail in how he runs his route. He had a ridiculously good reception today where he literally had about maybe 18 inches to catch the ball, drag one foot on a sideline in amazing reception. Um, six foot two. I'm not sure if I'm buying the six foot two either way. I still like the guy. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's okay to maybe be a little more savvy and smart than athletic. And maybe that's what I'm a little bit wondering where it's, it was no sniff from the senior bowl, especially after, um, I forget his name now. You know, who, the guys the, yeah, no, no, but no, but uh, Nagy, who's running the senior bowl now, he put out early in the year, like how it would be a disgrace if he wasn't a guy that was on their list and basically like, oh, draft t- Twitter's going to kill us. You know, they, this is going to be a guy. And now it's not really coming to fruition. So yeah, maybe it's a question of the athletic numbers. I don't know. But like you said, with Brian Edwards, this is kind of like a, it's kind of like an ice cream wide receiver group. What are you looking for? What do you like? Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC, six foot four, two fifteen. He's shown the ability to get vertical this year a ton. Um, down at Baylor, Denzel Mims. I, I, again, I keep falling. I, I, I get this love for guys from Baylor, and I, I don't know where it comes from. And but like you said, you know, Colin Johnson at Texas. Then you got Deverney, who a uh, track guy, literally can just light the football field on fire with his foot speed. Uh, Devontae Smith doesn't get talked about it much from Alabama, but he's literally putting together an outstanding season himself down there it's it's literally a who's who and kind of what you like and uh chanel out of colorado plays a little bigger than his size but you know he's one of those type of players henry ruggs the third from alabama who would have just been an al davis dream pick because he's probably if you want an early contender for fastest 40 time henry ruggs out of alabama could possibly be that guy but yeah i mean look as the season goes on and you look at this more and more and, you know, yes, you know, then we talk with Steven Thomas all the time. Offensive tackles, huge. No doubt about it. Safety's huge. Um, but sometimes you got to go by what the class dictates. And, you know, yeah, you know, as much as I love Damian Ratley, you know, and then there, you know, Taiwan Taylor, how he's even still here. I have no idea. DJ Montgomery, and, you know, after Landry and Beckham, and there still might be some conversation how this wide receiver room goes due to, finances and commitment of cap to that position guys you trust after that you know hodge may turn into something and that's fantastic but it's it, it's getting kind of slim after those two and you're certainly going to have to you know keep all eyes open all options open and there's some names here and no but tyler johnson's one i i'm, I'm totally with and i think he and baker the yang to the yang there would be really good tobias k i appreciate uh, the question here, I know a couple of people put it in, but he was the first one. Um, and look, any chance I get to talk a uh, a little co- a little wide receivers, Oof, I have no problem with that. Uh, Vince Coluti, uh, what are top five Browns needs versus what you think they will actually draft? <laughs> That's always the one here. Me and Pete will bust this out here. Then they, they just absolutely throw us a swerve, you know, 10 days before the draft or whatever. Uh, example being, uh, you know, the need of tackle, but all of a sudden they go safety in round one, Pete. I, I, you know, the, the tackle class looks very deep, um, very impressive. I, I, I don't 
I, I don't think the Browns aren't going to take a tackle. Is the thing. I mean, it, it, you could get in a situation where the the Browns, like, let's say right now they're picking 14th. Let's say that they take a guy like Isaiah Simmons in the first round and take a tackle in the second round. I mean, I could see it, I guess, but I think it's really unlikely. And obviously there's a lot of time between them now. But the further the Browns move back in the draft, the more it's going to be a tackle. Uh, and I, you know, and, and this idea that, like, John Dorsey doesn't do that, that's almost entirely what he does. Uh, obviously, he took Eric Fisher first overall. He took, he took uh, Austin Corbett 33rd overall. Uh, he, he took Mitch Morse in the second round with the Chiefs. Uh, he's taken a lot of offensive linemen, and, you know, that's one of the positions he takes in the first round. If anything, I would think it's less likely that he, you know, linebacker, safety, those type of things, or that they're going to do that, opting to wait on those. Uh, I mean, it's – and I, I don't love the safety class. So, at this point, I, I, you know, it, it's offensive tackle basically in pencil. Uh, and, and it's really a question of if they get find themselves out of position or the value is just so rich that they can wait. But, uh, you know, obviously the recent mock I did, I had him taking a, a tackle in the first and the third round because it's so good and you can't have enough uh, off, uh, offensive line talent and the NFL is always scrounging for more. So, you know, that may be the, the, the move they make is just taking – multiple early uh, getting themselves a starter in the first round, presumably, and getting a guy they can can put in the starting lineup at some point. But ultimately, uh, if early, seemingly, they'd be a swing guy in depth that they can develop. But that seems like the ideal scenario. Um, and what you and the, the thing here with six games to go is you can't fall into the trap you fell into last year. If this team gets really hot and this offense gets really clicking and Baker State you know, remains pretty clean, you know, you can't get over the fact that, you know, half of the season and now this year, 10 games deep, Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard just aren't good enough. You can't fall into that trap two years in a row. And, you know, you look at this and you look at it the tackle class-wise, I mean, and, you know, there's there's teams that get not not, not just one tackle, two. I mean, it's, it's the, the tackle group that wasn't there last year, it, it certainly looks like it's going to shape up to be there this year. This one necessarily isn't this draft cycle, and this one on today. Guys, look, yes, I will say I don't care if you were the team holding the number one pick in the draft. Yes, this I would take Chase Young. I don't care. Figure out quarterback, get a journeyman, revisit it. Uh, you know, if you have a need at defensive end and your defense isn't very good, go add yourself 13, 14 sacks. Yes, I'm totally okay and comfortable with saying that. Of course, which leads to this one from Paul Lindsay. Would we take Garrett over Mahomes and Watson in a do-over? I'd I'd probably still take Miles Garrett because the thing you're doing here when you do it in this fashion is is you're essentially playing, you know, you're doing hindsight and that type of stuff. Well, you you still had the two first-rounders for the the following season. And, look, if it was Baker and Sam, look, you know, as great as Mahomes was, you needed the right – situation where somebody was going to truly let him be what he can be, which was Andy Reid worked out. Um, the Pete, the thought of adding Patrick Mahomes to anything Hugh Jackson literally wants me to take my finger and stick it down my throat, make myself yak. Uh, Deshaun Watson, look, you know, Pete and I, we, we run hot and cold with Deshaun Watson. When it's working right, it's great. But there's times where Deshaun Watson is just continuously trying to make something out of nothing. And, you know, 
you know, a couple of big throws Thursday night leads to a win at home. Um, you go back four days earlier in Baltimore, he's running for his life trying to make things happen, and damn near got himself killed. Well, so I'm the Patrick Mahomes thing. I think Andy Reid is a huge part of that. And the way they were able to sort of cater to him and develop him and all those things. Uh, I think that's critical to why he's successful. Uh, Deshaun Watson, in addition to the Hugh Jackson factor, uh, I, I still maintain that I don't think Deshaun Watson would be great in the AFC North. Um, and that's not to say he's not talented or any of this stuff. But he is benefiting, and I think this is why Houston took him in part, is that he's playing in a division where they're either in the South or in domes almost every game of the year. And it's 11, games, few, 11 games a year. 11 games a year, he should see perfect weather. Or damn yeah, near. So when you can count on that, then the deficiencies he has in terms of arm strength aren't problematic. I don't feel like uh, that arm would do well dealing with wind and cold and all those things. Uh, and irregularity. So I think what would happen is maybe Deshaun Watson is very good in the regular season and he sort of fades down the stretch, um, which is problematic. You don't have that issue in, in as a member of the Houston Texans. All you're worried about at this point is please don't get yourself killed, uh, which is its own issue. So, no, I would take Miles Garrett. And as far as Chase Young, uh, Chase Young is great. Uh, I, I would have no issue with anybody taking him. I do, you know, we'll see when more data comes out, and I haven't really done a ton of watching, but obviously Joe Burrow's numbers are absurd. So right now, to me, he's the only candidate that could even uh, could warrant the first pick in the draft at this point at quarterback. So if we get to that point and you're saying that, uh, that Joe Burrow's that dude, then take Joe Burrow. I have no issue with that. That's great. Um, the, the fear you have is you cannot take uh, Mitchell Trubisky, you cannot take J- uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you cannot take, you know, I don't, some of these other guys that are fine. And Mitchell Trubisky is not fine, but Jimmy Garoppolo is fine, but he's not really driving the driving the bus. Um, and, and you take that over, you know, a Miles Garrett type impact player in Chase Young, and that's the issue. So you're looking back at the Bears right now. Uh, and, and and the 49ers obviously missing out on on Miles Garrett. Um, that's you know that stings. That's obviously something you don't want to have happen. And obviously the Browns were fortunate enough to lose in the way they did in overtime against the Pittsburgh Steelers in a game I'll never forget, uh, where some bonus checks should have been paid out to kickers and Isaiah Crowell and and the and the interception return, all those things that conspired to work their way against Miles Garrett. I, I think. People are underestimating how much of an impact that makes. That's uh, not to say the quarterback isn't the most important position on the field. It's just there There are too many examples where you know people are going to point, well, the Browns haven't won. But they've been in games at times, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, the first game of last year, where Miles Garrett literally willed you to a tie. And if they, the Browns were half decent, they could have freaking finished some of these games, and they would have been win. And, and so that you're looking at it going, man, Chase Young helped – get the W there and, and Miles Garrett would be doing those things if the team around him was more consistent, but he's still doing that. And Chase Young is still a huge reason why Ohio State is successful as they are. So I, I, you know, we'll see where Joe Burrow goes ultimately in terms of like, you know, if he's going to throw and do velocity and all those things and, and how big he actually is and that stuff. But if he's legit, more power to him. But uh, I have no issue with 
taking a defensive end that high who's that good and that special uh, that can do those things. But more, more than likely, I think Joe Burrow is going to go number one and Chase Young is going to go number two. And no other quarterback should even be a consideration. That's fair. Um, for me to wait, and I'll look at it here from this standpoint of, and look, you know, Cincinnati, you're 0-10. Right now, you're you, you got a really really good shot at looking at the, the number one overall. It's looking really pretty good in your favor. So you look at Burrow, and I, I agree with you, Pete. Um, he's everything's kind of humming, um, and the fact that he can actually run a little bit, yeah, that's I mean that's just something that you just add to it as well. Looks fantastic. But now you look at Cincinnati and you look what's going on. Uh, offensive line, terrible. Uh, you got Joe Mixon. AFC rushing leader in 18, ain't getting much done now right now. Uh, you got AJ Green. Uh, let's just end it. That that relationship is over. Uh, so then you have John Ross, who has started to show some signs when he can actually get him on the field. Uh, Boyd, nice receiver. We, we spoke really well of him last year. We'll see how he closes out this year. Got an extension. Obviously, he's going to be there for a while. You got Auden Tate. Okay, so you, you got a little bit. A little tiny bit to work with on offense. The difference you get with a guy like Chase Young, if you go that route, is you're talking double-digit sacks. The guy can single-handedly kill drives himself. It makes life easier. And look, Cincinnati, you got to rebuild both sides of the ball. So how do you do it? Is it easier to go bang out a couple, one, two defensive players, where at least now your defense can hold up and just not get bombed on every week? Or do you bring in Joe Burrow, and if he doesn't hit the ground running and he isn't perfect and he doesn't have enough to work with, all of a sudden now you got him in a tough spot, your defense still sucks ass. That, that's, the, that's the issue you have here, and that's what makes this difficult, Pete. But, I mean, sometimes adding the – yeah, I mean, everybody says add the quarterback. But if you suck everywhere – You've added the quarterback, and you're still going to tread water for maybe two seasons. Well, you're putting a lot of faith in John Williams coming back and being good, uh, and, and I don't have a problem with that. That's you know that's why you took. He's going to play guard, right? Um, well, that's. You know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, there there are, there are reasons you can say you can talk yourself into the Bengals doing this and coming out next year and being effective. Um, it's not AJ Green to me. It's, it's entirely Tyler Boyd, who I think is great. Um, yep. Uh, but the fallback thing for me on determining, you know, how I really feel about something when it comes to this is who am I more, who am I afraid of the Bengals adding? I am afraid of, of the Bengals adding Chase Young. There's no, no getting around that. I am afraid of that. I'm, I am legitimately afraid of Joe Burrow on the Bengals. Uh, I think it would be fun, but I, I am afraid of that. Um, I am not afraid of Tua. I'm not afraid of her. In fact, I'm rooting for Herbert. God, please take Herbert. Um, there's just a, any number of players that just don't do anything for me. But those two, you know, the way Burrow is playing, uh, his mobility and the way he's able to throw and play play at this level, you know, against some big-time opponents and all that, and, and they're obviously going to have their chance to 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 keep this thing going. Um, I'd be fascinated to see, but in a lot of ways, he, he is playing similar to uh, Baker Mayfield was for Oklahoma mm-hmm. that year, where he's just unbelievable uh, and just driving driving this thing. Obviously, 
Uh, Baker Mayfield had three seasons of excellent play, and Joe Burrow's got one. But yeah, I mean, if, if when you can brass tacks it, if, who are you afraid of the Bengals adding? And that's usually going to be your answer. Clearly, uh, I, I don't want to see Chase Young in the AFC North uh, coming after Baker Mayfield, uh, and, and I don't love the idea of Joe Burrow here. So that's where why it's a conversation. I'm I'm sorry, I'm just not afraid of Tua. Well, I mean, you know, guys, Pete and I have had our issues with Tua. And part of it is, is, you know, in, in, this is devastating injury, but, but he's always seems like he's a little bit banged up. And look, I mean, hey, it's not our pig. It's not our farm. We're not going to need a quarterback. Uh, get to a couple of things here before we start closing on out here. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants, as I always mention, whether it's local, whether it's franchise, whatever's close to you, you always have a ton of options with DoorDash. Download the app right now. $5 off your first order of $15 or more. And have DoorDash bring in the meal, you and your folks, your crew, Sunday, you know, Sunday, friends over, whatever. Have some wings brought in, appetizers, you know, all know the drill. If you can't listen, if you're driving while you're listening to the show right now, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Check it out over there. Use the promo code, all caps, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On. We appreciate DoorDash for the sponsorship here of the Locked On Podcast Network. Pete, as we start to, uh, you know, kind of take this one home here, uh, give me this here. Um, you know, is there any way, is it going to have to be through the draft to rebuild up this safety room? Um, you know, the question's going to be is, you know, how much cap flexibility are you going to have? A lot of that will come down to whether or not you give Joe Schobert an extension. I think we're all starting to read between the lines here and realizing there's, you know, Tamarius Randall's going to go. You're going to get some cap relief with Greg Robinson. You're going to get some cap relief with, uh, you know, Chris Hubbard. So, so you got something to play with, but, you know, where does that cap money go? Um, and especially when you've got to make a decision in August and guarantee somebody's fifth-year option, which will be done, 95, can't wait to have you back, miss you already. And, you know, obviously you have commitments at quarterback. And, all you know, some of these other, you know, what you're going to do with two wide receivers that are, you know, taking you over $30 million in cap space. There's an issue here. I mean, can they truly be, is there even room to add one big free agent or is it some kind of creativity, functional spending in free agency? No, if they do it right, they could potentially add one big free agent, but I think it's going to be more of a, a try to be a, a more conscious spending. The one free agent that I know of that's going to be out there that, that will be of at least talked about with the Browns will be Brian Bulaga, yeah. uh, the Packers tackle that's going to be in the market. Uh, has some had some injuries there. It seems like they're going to move on from him, and obviously there's familiarity with there. There will be a lot of talk about that, and you could see a scenario where the Browns were to sign him to be the right tackle. Now, be honest uh, though. I mean, you think about. I mean, you think about JC. You think about. Uh, you know, obviously, Joel Batonio, it, it, it does seem like a really, really nice match. It does. I, I don't love taking older offensive linemen. There's obviously, uh, you know, a, a you're basically buying them a year at a time. Right. Uh, and, it, again, if you take Belaga at right tackle and you draft a left tackle, you can be pretty good pretty quickly. Again, if Belaga is able to stay healthy, that has been a real problem, like, consistently. Uh, Hips, knees, back, know. yep. 
But I, as far as safety, I think it's going to be a combo platter. I think they're going to draft, and I think they're going to sign. I don't think they can do all one or the other. Um, I think they have to be hoping like hell that they see enough out of the guys that they're playing right now that they can sign some of those guys for, for reasonable amounts now uh, so they can stay, like a Justin Burris, for example. If he can play well uh, and feel good about that, then Two years, that five million, get the help. agent on the phone right now. Yeah, Eric Murray is another one where I think, you know, if you can get him reasonably uh, cheap back, that would be another really helpful thing. I, I just think it's going to be an evolving process with that position um, that, you know, maybe they're willing to spend. I, again, it's going to depend on what's available. I think, uh, sadly, Randall is going to be the biggest free agent safety available that I know of. Maybe I'm missing somebody, but that's likely with the, the situation. Um, well, there's, you know, I would say Byron Jones, because if he's, you know, Dallas is not going to be able to keep him. And now he's had a history now of his career of being both. Um, it's certainly somebody that you could say, all right, well, we're, we're going to draft him. We'll, you know, I mean, we're going to sign him and he's not going to, if he's getting big money, he don't care where you're going to play him. Um, he, he could maybe be contender there too. Um, we'll take this on home here now, guys. Um, look, and you can always hear it kind of in Pete and I's voice when we get to do drafts, you know, the last pick up a little bit more, the excitement picks up a little bit more. Um, you know, we'll get to this as we can. Maybe we'll start to make it a Saturday thing, you know, going on through here to finish up the season. You know, as I had mentioned now, where, you know, Pete's flexibility is a little bit easier. Appreciate you guys. Um, make sure you're checking out everything on, a, uh, you know, Browns Maven. Check it out on side.com. Pete and the guys are putting together solid work day in, day out. Give me a ton of stuff fantasy-wise. And it's always weird when something comes from Pete Handel and it's fantasy-related, you know. Credit Brandon a little for that. That's certainly not Pete. Um, but make sure you're following the guy at underscore Pete Smith underscore show itself at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Uh, you know, follow back account. DMs are open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. As you know, the DMs are open over there. Whether it's just the talk, whether you disagree with me, whether you want something put on the show, or you like what we said. I was like feedback, whatever. I'll take positive, I'll take negative. Feedback's feedback. Do appreciate it. Uh, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go kick some fish ash, fish, ash, uh, fish ash tomorrow. And you get you guys. We'll have you probably up by 5.15, 5.30. Uh, enjoy your weekend, everybody. Appreciate it.